0: Great job with us this morning, didn't they? Thank you for worshiping your heart out today. That w- we have had a couple of weeks of, of, I feel, really special experiences of worship here in our church. There's a difference between singing songs and worshiping. And I think God has honored, honored our hearts with a good, strong sense of His presence. Hey, today we are going to wrap up this series that we've been in called Uncharted Territory. We've been speaking, preaching through the book of Joshua, and in case you didn't notice, we did not make it through all of it. We got seven chapters in. Uh, There are a lot more chapters, but really, as we get close to Easter right now, in the coming weeks, I just want us to turn our eyes really intentionally towards Jesus specifically, and we're going to make a big deal out of him, and we're going to talk about him a lot. And so this morning, in your Bibles, we're going to fast forward from chapter 7, where we left off. To chapter 23 and 24. Would you stand and let's welcome Lucy as she comes to read God's word? And Lucy's going to read a few selected verses, not the whole chapter, so you may want to watch up here on the screen and she'll take us through there.
1: Good morning, church. Our reading from Joshua 23 6 and 8. Be very strong and continue obeying all that is written in the book of the law of Moses, so that you do not turn from it to the right or left and so that you do not associate with these nations remaining among you do not call on the name on the names of their gods or make an oath to them do not serve them or bow in worship to them instead be loyal to the Lord your God as you have been to this day our next passage comes from Joshua 23:14 I am now going the way of the whole earth. And you know with all your heart and all your soul that none of the good promises the Lord your God made to you has failed. Everything was fulfilled for you. Not one promise has failed. And the last one comes from Joshua 24, 14 and 15. Therefore, fear the Lord and worship him in sincerity and truth. Get rid of the gods your ancestors worshipped beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt, and worship the Lord. But if it doesn't please you to worship the Lord, choose for yourselves today. Which will you worship? The gods your ancestors worshipped beyond the Euphrates River, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living? As for me and my family, we will worship the Lord. And this Trinity Church...
0: Thank you, Lucy. You may be seated, my friends. So the title of the message this morning is Making the Journey. As we fast forwarded to the end of Joshua's life, and he's spending time and giving really his last words to this uh, this great nation that he's been leading up to this point, he's leaving them with some very specific encouragements. And so this morning, just so you know, that is all I'm after. I want to encourage you. This is, we're going to be in the shallow end of the pool this morning. And I just want to, uh, if I can leave you today feeling a little stronger than when you walked in, I'll have, done, I'll have done my job. And so making, we're talking about making the journey. Here's the first thought this morning. Until our last breath, we will be in uncharted territory. Until our last breath, we will need the help of God to get through unfamiliar circumstances, and crazy times. So I was at a a lunch this week with a friend of mine who also pastors a church, and we were talking about this previous year. I said, now, I'm I'm merely a youngster. I'm only 40. And um, yeah, so I said, "I'm, I'm only 40. I realize I'm not as far down the road as you. Am I being dramatic whenever I say stuff is crazy, that we've had a really crazy year? And he goes, no, you're not. It's nuts. He said, it is nuts right now. And it really, it really is. And it takes some specific things to be able to navigate a tough season well. We can't just get through a tough season flying by the seat of our pants. And at the same time, there is no silver bullet that will get you through certain and tough circumstances. We need the right commitments to stay committed in tough times. That's the end of the sermon for you right there. We need the right commitments to be able to stay committed in tough times. We are made ready by God to face the demands of the moments by embracing a few different things. Otherwise, we'll find that we are overmatched by our circumstances. So, once upon a time, in my prime, I loved running Spartan races. Any of y'all ever heard of Spartan races? They're obstacle courses for the mildly insane, and um, they're, they're a lot of fun. You'll be out for hours. I've done one that was uh, five miles, one that was 10, one that was 14, and you're just out there for hours crawling through mud, swimming across ponds, getting your skin lit up by barbed wire, shock wire, all sorts of crazy things, and it is so much fun. And the last one I did a few years ago, we did in Charlotte, North Carolina. And I had a friend of mine, Nathan, who had been in a bit of physical retirement for a period of time. He was in the military back in the day, and so this is a guy that, that knows how to handle himself, been through basic training, all that kind of stuff. But he was doing the Spartan Race with us. So when we were talking about getting ready, I told him, and maybe I wasn't as helpful as I should have been. I said, listen, the race is 60 or 70% running. Um, My knees have since left me. I don't do any running now. But I said, it's 60 or 70% running. If you're in running shape, you're gonna be fine in the race. And he was fine for most of the race. And there was a particular obstacle that we got to called the Atlas Carry. And the Atlas Carry was just carrying a big cement sphere, nice and smooth, somewhere between 60, 75 pounds, something like that, and you just had to carry it from here to there, and then you had to carry it back. Now, different people flourish at different obstacles, just sort of just like in life. Have you ever noticed anybody who was really high strung, but when crisis hits, they're really focused and good? Like, what shakes you up might not shake me up. What really challenges me, you may be able to help me through. Like, it's it, there are different challenges to different people. Nathan was not ready for carrying heavy things. And so, he gets the sphere ball. We're running as a group, and it's clear he's having a really hard time with it. Gets it a few feet, drops it. Gets it a few feet, drops it. Finally gets to the end, and it's very much the same way on the ro- way back, but finally... He just starts rolling it, starts rolling it. So he gets to the end of it and we're like, man, you made it. Are you okay? And he puts his hands on his knees and he looks at us and his eyes roll into the back of his head and he passes out. He face plants, just eats it, rolls over and is, you know, sort of jerking around, coming out of it really quickly. So we took it easy and hung out with Nathan the rest of the race and we got through and I was relentless in making fun of one of my best friends the rest of the day. As we're leaving the race, walking back to the car, I said, hey guys, y'all need to slow down. Nathan passed out again. It was really mean. Then whenever we're at On the Border later, and this is better, I said, can you hand me the chips or do you think you might, you know? He was like, shut up, man. But the whole idea is that we're all taxed differently by different things. To flourish in that race, you needed to be in several different kinds of shape. You needed to be able to run. You needed to be able to lift. You needed to be able to do all of it. I want to give you four things that are going to help you make it through a tough journey this morning. And you know they're true because they all start with C. So that was a joke. (laughs) Alliteration is not a sign of truth. Four things that we need. The first thing you need is is a call. You need a call. You need to know that God has a calling on your life. And the first sense of call that you simply need to have and you need to know is that you're his, that you're you're his. In a few weeks, we're going to have Easter. And I hope that you will, along with me, be praying and inviting that that day we can have a packed house and we can present really clearly the gospel of Jesus Christ. And do you realize what that gospel includes? It just includes that you are called to him that you are his idea that if God is the furthest thing from your mind you have to know you are not far from his scripture says about you that his thoughts toward you are numerous more than you can even count and since we always say you can tell how much you want something by what you're willing to pay to get it on that day we are going to we're going to show people, we're going to lay out there that God was willing to pay everything to have you. Why? Because you're called. You're called to be his. Very often, whenever we think of calling, we always think in terms of, of like career. And career is too small for a calling. First and foremost, like there's no calling without a caller. Do you realize that? If you have a calling, it's because you've been called. Hey, John, you've been called. And so the first calling is just to, it's to God. To make it through life without getting defeated, discouraged, suicidal. You have to know that you were God's idea, that he puts you here, that he wants you, that he loves you, and you will not make it through life well without that. You will not make it through life well without that. Without it, everything will feel like one of those races that I was talking about, just more extreme. Why am I going through all of this? What is the point? It seems like I get through one thing and then I'm facing another. This is one of the things my favorite author says. He says, we're all either in a crisis, coming out of a crisis, or headed for a crisis, But crisis is kind of the price of being on this earth, and it's hard to endure anything if you have no idea what you're enduring for. Let me tell you what you are enduring for at the very least and at the baseline of it. You are enduring to hear from the God who made you, well done, Madeline. Well done. Good job. To make it through life without getting broken, you've got to know that you're called. You've got to know that God, you've got to know that he loves you. And so that's what Joshua is, is connecting the nation of Israel when he says, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, not, he says, long ago, your ancestors. And Joshua begins to tell their stories again, because what he's saying, he's saying, we are a continuation of what God has been doing to redeem the world. And so are we. This is what every local church in the world is. It's a continuation of a redemption story that God started a long time ago. But that's why people are always more important than buildings and programs. Because people are the ones that God sent his son for. You are called. You're called to be his. You're special to him. He loves you. So don't get discouraged. Because God sees you. He loves you. He's called you. So don't stop believing that God has purposes for your life. Keep putting one foot in front of the other. Dr. Bartell shared briefly in our our first service something wonderful. And what he said was that, The Apostle Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament, consistently calls our journey with God, discipleship. He just calls it a walk. That a lot of living for God is just waking up and putting one foot in front of the other for him today. And do you know what you call it whenever you do that until you're done with today's? You call that faithful. You call that awesome. And God calls that incredible. Well done. So you got to know you're called. Secondly, to get through a tough journey, you need a compass. You need a compass. Now we're in the era of GPS. When was the last time any of us got in the car, put in the address, and actually worried about whether or not we will get there? Usually, about 79% of the time, Siri's right. She'll just take you where you need to go. Sometimes she's off. But for the most part, we don't worry about the turn by turn because we kind of, we're like, they've got it. We'll just, it'll pop up and they'll let us know whenever we need to do something different. What scripture gives us is not so much always a turn by turn for every situation you will ever deal with in your life. Oftentimes it's much more of a compass, and whenever you're wondering, what do I do here? I can't quote a verse. You get your compass from sort of the heart of God and the overall t- tone of scripture. But here is the point. God has given you all that you need in his word to be able to be faithful in your life. He's given you direction. He has given you a compass. And contrary to what we may believe sometimes, you can understand the Bible. You can If we would just do the parts we understand clearly, we'd be different people. There are parts of Scripture that can be very hard to understand, but most of it, friends, you can can understand. If you get into it, you read it, you apply it. And so Joshua's telling Israel, he says, "'Hey, be very strong and continue obeying all that is written in the book of the law of Moses, so that you don't turn to the right or left.'" So he's saying, I want you to be faithful, and here's how you're going to do it. Continue to obey everything that is written. He's saying, bank on the compass. Believe what, believe what he says. Living by faith and not by feeling means living by faith in the word of God. It means by trusting what, trusting what he said. Because sometimes we can feel our way into really dumb decisions. Have any of you ever done something that felt right and then it was not so right in retrospect? Most things that we do wrong often felt right at the beginning. The third piece of cake. The, I don't know, <laughs> the um, the third piece of cake always seems right at the beginning. That's, but the, the affair, the, the whatever, I mean, you run the gamut we can always, always think ourselves into a bad situation, and it seems logical in some certain way at the time where we're doing it. I don't know if you guys have ever read anything about aviation or any of you are sort of in that realm, but in aviation, there's, there's something that frequently leads to a crash. It's called, it's called a death spiral. Y'all have heard the term, I, I got into a death spiral. And what a death spiral is, is it tends to happen to pilots who are flying at, night, or they're flying in the fog, and they fly by feeling instead of their instrument. And what can tend to happen is they will sort of get off kilter just a little bit. And physiologically down to, I mean, how it looks and down to the settling of fluid in their ear that sort of settles in equilibrium, they think that they're flying straight and level, but they're really turned this way. And what happens over a period of time is they begin to spiral. And at the point where that spiral gets tighter and tighter and they begin to try to make adjustments, it's too late. And so what they will teach a pilot is simply pay attention to your instruments, especially what's called the attitude indicator, which is going to show you whether you're level or whether you're off. And the idea is that there will be some times where you see and feel differently than what is actually true. And that is why God has given us his word. That's why scripture says that it's not just there if we wanna read it. He, calls it, he calls it spirit and life. He calls it living and active. And he says that it's not just good suggestion, but it's God's law. He's saying we need it. We need his direction. And so I would just encourage you this morning, sometimes it's hard to know who to trust. Trust God's word more than you trust social media influencers. Look to his word more than you look for advice. Memorize a verse more than you share meme quotes. I'm telling you, get into, his, get into his word. Don't get discouraged. You can understand it. With brothers and sisters and teaching and devotion, you can, you can understand it. Don't quit seeking wisdom. Don't quit getting up in the morning or doing it at night or whenever. I'm just telling you to do it. Opening God's word. And saying, Lord, open my eyes that I can delight in wonderful things in your law. Open my eyes so that I can understand. Help me read. Help me apply. God, this is one of the most honest prayers you can pray sometimes. God, I understand your word is living and active. This morning, it feels like a phone book. Help me, Jesus. Help me, Jesus. He will. So you need to know that God's got a calling for your life. You need a compass. You need God's word to check in with. How am I doing? How am I acting versus how you have said? And then third, we need companions. Companions. We need companions. If you are going to be faithful to God in your life until the end of life, you will only be able to do it if you have a handful of people in your life who want you to be faithful for God as much as you want to be faithful for God, and you want the same for them. Not all friendships are created equal. I have a lot of friendships across the faith spectrum. Not all my friends believe in God. I mean, but I've got to have people, an inner circle in my life that love me and want me to love God, that love me enough to call me out when I need it, to give me encouragement when I need it. We all need those kind of friends. If the most depth of Christian friendship we have is seeing each other for a few minutes here, None of us will last in walking with God. We won't. And that's why whenever Jesus said, come and follow me, he didn't say, we'll set up a system of coffees. I'll meet you one-on-one down at the coffee synagogue. He said, come and follow me. But he brought, he brought these men in relationship with, with other men. They learned how to follow Jesus together. Here's one of the things I learned this week, pastor stat, I know you don't care, but here you go anyway. People come to feel connected at a church. They feel like a church is their church whenever they have about seven friendships in a church. Until then, it tends to feel like sort of it's a place that I go. And so what I know as a pastor is if I can't encourage you to connect with one another, it's only a matter of time before our church is just a church you used to go to. That is always the case. How many, some of us have had conversations, I've experienced going into a church and feeling like I could never quite get in. The remedy to getting in is never to know everybody. That can't happen. But it's to commit yourself to a few. And that's why we live and die by life groups. That's why we talk about it so much. That's what we're going for. If I can get you in a living room on a regular basis talking about God's word, praying for one another, you're going to be connected. And then what happens is I can say something stupid or string together a few bad messages and you don't feel like you should leave church. Why? Because for you, it was never about a superstar staff member anyway. It was always about Jesus and his people. Jesus and his people. And so we need each other. So Paul puts it this way in the book of Romans. He talks about each of us being part of a body. And he says we're all different members, right? We all support one another. If you chop off any member of your body, it's going to twitch a little bit and then it will die. This is also what happens with our faith when we're not connected with each other. It will twitch a little bit. Some days we will be inspired. We might pray a little bit in a crisis, but then eventually it's going to die. It's going to die. And that is one of the things that has been a tragedy of the whole COVID season, is in it driving so many of us home necessarily. By the way, I'm not dissing anybody. I'm just saying isolation takes a real toll. And one of the things they're seeing in terms of study right now is it is not as simple as Governor Abbott making an announcement and then now everybody comes back to their church. We can get used to being disconnected, and then we tell ourselves nobody cares, and then we. Stop. We stop. That's why I want church for you to be more than music, more than preaching. I want it to be us. Do you have some people in this church who you would describe as an us? Making friendships can be difficult. I just want to encourage you this morning don't stop trying. Don't stop trying. Keep going, keep connecting. Invite people to lunch, but you will not be able to live for Jesus as a solo Christian. That works in one situation. You are on a desert island. By your lonesome. Otherwise, we need each other. I need you. You need me. We need we. It's just the way it is. So we need a calling. We need a compass. We need companions. And then just lastly, We need a sense of contribution. God did not send his son to die for you and cover your sins and make you a new creation so that the culmination of your Christian experience can be keeping a seat warm consistently. I have created you for this, Matt. Sit there. No. There's a sense of contribution that we all want. I mean, have you ever been part of any sort of club or any sort of anything? And if you didn't feel like you were doing anything, you wanted to do something else because you want to be contributing. Can I tell you something? We want you to contribute. God wants you to contribute. The kingdom of God needs you. Not that everything has to happen on a Sunday morning for God's kingdom because it doesn't at all. But I am saying you need to contribute, don't you? I know I do. So Paul says in Romans, according to the grace given to us, we have different gifts. If prophecy, use it according to the proportion of one's faith. I'm glad he starts there, but he doesn't end there. Because in Christian world, we think prophecy. Man, headlights, conferences, now that's amazing. If I could go and get prophesied to by that person, or if I could prophesy, then I'd be really being used by God. He starts there, but he doesn't stop there. If prophecy, use it according to the proportion of one's faith. If service, use it in service. If you do stuff to help, do stuff to help. If teaching, teach. If exhorting, encouragement, encourage. If giving, do so with generosity. If leading, lead with diligence. If showing mercy, do that with cheerfulness. In other words, Paul is saying, whatever God has given you to do, whatever thing he has given you to do, do the thing. He's saying, do the thing. Get in the game and do stuff. Sometimes we undervalue what we have been given because we simply say, you know, this is just the way I am. No, this is just the way God has gifted you. Or we say that my deal isn't flashy. I like to, I like to lay low. I like to help behind the scenes. Thank God everybody and their mother doesn't want the microphone. That tends to be a mess. Just the kingdom needs you. God needs you. And you need a sense of contribution. So my encouragement to you this morning is don't stop trying to find your place. Don't stop trying to find your place. Try some things out. Where you start out isn't where you want to end up. It may not be where you want to end up, or it may be like you've hit a home run and you say, I want to do this forever. I'm just saying you want to do something and we want you to do something. The kingdom of God needs you. Because scripture says that when Jesus led captivity captive, he gave gifts to men. He's entrusted you with something. And when we stand before him, we'll give an account of what we've done with what he gave us. It'll be tested. And God will never measure us against somebody else. And so you never have to worry about how you stack up. Or if your life is together enough for God to use you. It's just not the way he is. It's not. I want to invite the the band this morning. Simple enough message. We need each other. We need to know God has called us. We need God's word. And we need to contribute.